Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, big night of basketball coming up tonight. Utah and BYU are playing at the Huntsman Center, 6 o'clock on the Pac-12 Network. Lakers and Jazz are playing at 7 o'clock. Hey, their scheduled wins and their scheduled losses. Now, I thought that Philly game was a scheduled loss, having to go back-to-back with Toronto. But now it's the Lakers who are facing a rested Jazz team. The Lakers are going back-to-back after playing the Nuggets. And they won. Lakers beat the Nuggets, but they were pushed right to the end. Nuggets hit a couple of free throws with 2.23 to go to get within a point. And then the Lakers finished the game on an 8-0 run and won the game. Shut the Nuggets out over the last two minutes. But the point is, they had to play right to the bitter end. Anthony Davis, LeBron James had, had to be out on the court to seal the deal at the end. So, advantage Jazz in tonight's game. They really need a win here. All right, uh, a little bit of basketball. We got to talk a lot of football this morning, though. It's the Pac-12 title game coming up Friday night. Conference call with the uh, the media from not only around the conference, certainly, but also uh, across the country. Let's start with Mario Cristobal, the Oregon head coach. Here he is with the media. Uh, Mario, can you just? You're an offensive line guy. Can you just describe Penay Sewell as a player? Yes, sir. Um... Well, kind of what he's always been since uh, since his days in high school, and I'm sure even before that, just extremely smart, super high football IQ, um, plays with tremendous power, balance, and body control, uh, great foot and body quickness, awareness. Um, I can honestly say he's, he's the best one I've been around. And the obvious question is, when you have a left tackle like that, how does it shape your entire offensive scheme? Yeah, you know, certainly um, – you know, and we're, we're fortunate we have, you know, five guys we really feel great about. And um, they allow you to, you know, execute um, at a relatively high level. Uh, you're able to make adjustments a lot quicker than if you had some guys who are a little bit more green and didn't have much experience. And, um, you know, the older guys who have done a, a really, really excellent job throughout their career, they, they're the ones that are responsible for grooming Panay and getting him to the level that he has uh, been at. But you'll ask Panay himself, and he'll tell you he hasn't um, he hasn't reached his full potential yet. He's just scratching the surface. But because those guys are what they are, as smart as they are, as hard as they work, you can push them hard, you can grind on them, you can demand a lot of them, and all you're going to get is your best effort. And then lastly, when you recruited him, what was that process like, and did you have any idea he would be this good this soon? Uh, the process gave me more gray hairs than anything else I've experienced in my life. Uh, the process almost caused cardiac arrest for me. Um, did, did we feel he was going to be this good? Yes, sir. We did. Thanks very much. Yes, sir. Thank you. The next question is from Kyle Kinsing with Athlon Sports. Please go ahead. Uh, Coach, you know, you won a conference title at FIU, but uh, not having a conference title game there, how much do you kind of reflect back on, you know, being on the Alabama staff that had to prepare for a championship game and kind of preparing your guys now today? Well, you know, as as you continue to climb throughout the season and work your way towards a a championship opportunity, I think what everyone understands is that your wiggle room and your margin for error becomes less and less. So throughout the year, I mean, this is, you know, a cumulative process that by now you should have worked out most of the kinks that have shown up throughout the year. You've been able to learn from mistakes. You've been able to press on through adversity. 
And, um, you know, it's just another opportunity this week to elevate your processes and your preparation because uh, it, it's going to come down to how well you are prepared and how much passion and effort you play with. So, um, so yeah, that's obviously a great experience at both those places. Two very different, I would say, almost uh, a different stratosphere, one place to the other. But uh, all in all, again, the same thing, you know, playing for, for championships certainly is a, the best opportunity you could ask for. And then with with some of those Alabama stats, you know, uh, in terms of guys who are assistants, uh, during your run there, you've got yourself, uh, Coach Kiffin at FAU, and Billy Napier at Louisiana, all coaching for championships this weekend. Did you know that that was kind of a special group when you were when you were a part of it? And do you still kind of lean on those guys for you know ideas and, and that sort of thing in the off season? Well, you know what we we really felt that we had a special group of, of men and families there. And uh, guys were working hard, recruited at a high level, and I think everyone was everyone was was completely in. You know, everybody really respected and uh, and really worked hard. Trust Coach Saban, and he taught everybody a lot. Everyone everyone took something. Uh, I bet if you stopped at every place, you'll see some form of a blueprint from our time over there in Tuscaloosa. And um, we don't, well, I mean, I get together with one or two of the guys that we work together, but I think everyone's a little leery now of getting together because you never know when you're going to play each other again. So you don't want to share, you don't want to share too much stuff. But I think everyone has their own thumbprint, right, on their uh, processes, but certainly a heavy influence from the days in Tuscaloosa. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. The next question is from Josh Furlong with KSL.com. Please go ahead, please. Hey, Coach, uh, last year you played Utah, and then uh, you missed them this year. What are, what are you seeing that's, that's different with this Utah team that, that could be a challenge for you? Well, I think that because of the way they play, uh, the game, their personnel, their big, explosive, powerful guys that have explosive playmakers at the skilled positions and guys that are playing at a real high level, very disciplined team, very smart. You can tell it's a very smart, very well-coached, high-IQ football team, so – you know, because of their scheme, because of their talent level and the way they're coached, they're, they're an excellent football team. So teams like that, they, they present challenges in all different areas. And then is this one of those games where you expect it to be kind of one of those battle in the trenches with your offensive line and their defensive line going against each other? You know, I think every game nowadays, especially at this time of year, right, when the weather's a little bit different and uh, it's colder, you know, the fields are wet, right, the wind's kicking in pretty good. I mean, I think playing the trenches is always going to have and play a, a big role in, in the way a, a game turns out. Thank you. Sure. The next question is from Leo Haggerty with Sports Magazine. Please go ahead. Good morning, Coach. Good morning. Coach, who's the one player on offense and on defense for Utah that you need to account for every play? Oh, gosh, I, uh, I don't think you could single out one. They have – they have excellent players across the board. And I think if you spend your time trying to over-focus on one, you're, you're going to leave your nose open. You're going, to hit, you're going to get hit on the other side. So I think it, I think it would be offensive to them to try to single out one. They, they have great talent across the board. Coach, last question for me, and thank you for your time. If my wife ever serves me with divorce papers, at the top of the contributing cause will be Pac-12 football. I mean, I'm watching games at 1.32 in the morning on the East Coast, does it become frustrating for you guys that you never get to play a noon game and it's always late afternoon or evening? No, not at all. I mean, honestly, for us, we, we love our conference. 
know, super proud of all the things that are going on this season. And, I mean, for us, roll the ball out at the Walmart parking lot. We'll play ball whatever time, so it don't matter to us, man. Coach, good luck Friday night. Thank you, sir. Thank you. The next question is from Joe Coles with Deseret News. Please go ahead. Hey, Coach. Um, how would you evaluate Justin Herbert's performance this year, and, and how much confidence does he give you at a quarterback position? He's been excellent all season. Uh, he continues to grow and develop as a player, as a person, as a leader. Certainly done some incredible things for us. And we have the entire team, entire organization, like always, have always had complete and full trust and confidence in Justin Herbert and looking forward to watching him play on Friday. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Barrett Jones with ESPN. Please go ahead. Coach, how we doing? Barrett, how's it going, man? Going well, going well. Hey, uh, quick question for you. I, I noticed I was calling one of your games earlier this season that uh, you, while most head coaches are at midfield kind of shooting the breeze, you're down there helping the O-line warm up. And uh, I just wanted to know, where did that start and how long you've been doing it and why do you, why do you love being down there with the, the guys in the trenches and, and warm-ups instead of like most head coaches just kind of out in the middle? Oh, I, I, one, I can't help myself. That's the first part. You know, two, you remember, I mean, warm-ups, pregame, it has to look, it has to sound and feel a certain way. And those guys are going to set the tone. And, and if those guys are really, you know, ripping off the ball and we're getting our pads low and our feet in the ground, it sets the tone. It'll set the tone for those final three team plays that we run and set the tone as we head in the locker room. So just that's the temperature and the pulse of the team right there. So I uh, – I'll make up any excuse to be there. Let's just say that. I want to be around those guys in pregame. I love it. And one more quick one is uh, I, I noticed you guys, you know, you all are pretty multiple run scheme-wise, but every great line I've ever been around, they kind of have maybe one play that they, they really hang their hat on that more than anything else. Do you have a, a certain scheme that you, when you're in a bind, you kind of go to that as, as the play that you guys can run versus any look? You know what? It's been different game to game because we have been multiple. We'll go from from inside to outside zone, open side, close side, three man surface to pin and pull and gap schemes and counter. So it's it's really been a kind of a different run game to game. And we're lucky that our guys up front are so versatile and smart that we can, I mean, in a snap, just kind of change the tune and and change the direction of where we're going with the run game. So it's yeah, that's a tough one. It'd be it'd be a game to game thing. There's Oregon head coach Mario Cristobal looking ahead to the Pac-12 title game Friday night. Next up, we're going to hear from Kyle Whittingham. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. 
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Pac-12 title game is almost here. The storm that's going to drench the Bay Area all weekend is almost here. If you're one of those Ute fans going out there, it's supposed to rain Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, Kyle Whittingham was saying at practice yesterday, it just looks like a 100% chance of rain. Earlier, it looked like, well, you know, it could be 60 or 70%. Maybe it'll be okay for the game. And now it's like it's going to be. Also, not only is it going to rain, it's going to be windy too. How's that going to impact the game? Less throwing, more running. Um, you would think if you got Zach Moss, that's an advantage. You would think if you have the Utah front front six, that's an advantage. Uh, here's Kyle Whittingham meeting with the media, his teleconference with the conference media and media from around the country. Here's Kyle. Good morning, Coach. Good morning. Coach, who's the one player on offense and defense for Oregon you need to account for on every play? Well, you know, on offense, obviously, you know, the obvious answer is the, you know, the quarterback or the running back or the receivers, but we're going to say Panay Sewell, that, that left tackle. He's he's a beast, maybe the best offensive lineman in the country or one of the best, and uh, he's a guy that uh, is just a phenomenal football player. So I'm going to I'm going to break from the norm and say that uh, Panay Sewell is the guy we got to be aware of. Uh, defensively, got a lot of good players, but you know, the linebacker dies as tremendous player, and so probably have to go with him. Coach, my last question, and thank you for your time today. If my wife ever divorces me, she's going to name Pac-12 football as a contributing cause. Does it grow tiresome for you and your program to never play a noon game and always having to play late afternoon or evening? Well, you know, we'd ideally... I think players and coaches would rather play early. We do on occasion. I wouldn't say never because I think we had a couple uh, this year that uh, were either. You had a game at Washington, yes. Yeah. The Washington game was early. Yeah. But, uh, you know, for the fans and, and of course, TV drives everything. And and so we just, we've kind of. Uh, just given up on even talking about that stuff anymore because it doesn't doesn't really uh, we have no control over it. And so I'm going to say that you know, given our druthers, yeah, we'd rather play uh, earlier in the day, but that's just not in the cards. So we uh, play the hand we're dealt. Good luck Friday night, Coach. Thank, thank you. Appreciate it. The next question is from Ryan Thorburn with the Register Guard. Please go ahead. Hey, Kyle, uh, I know you just mentioned Panay Sewell, but you've played some really good young quarterbacks this year, starting with BYU, obviously, Jaden Daniels um, and others. But what kind of challenge does facing a senior like Justin Herbert present? And I guess it's, it's probably no coincidence that both teams have veteran quarterbacks that have been through this a few times. Yeah, that typically is something that's a requisite to to get to this point in the season. You got to have a quarterback that's that's playing well, and and uh, typically, you know, they're upperclassmen. And, and you're right, both the quarterbacks in this game are are seniors. And uh, you know, Justin Herbert is a tremendous talent. He's got an NFL arm, NFL size. Uh, you know, he's he's got a lot of a lot of. Uh, Things going for him as a QB. He's having a you know a solid year. He's a you know, he's throwing the ball uh, near near 67 percent completion rate and, and about 160 or thereabouts efficiency. So he's he's doing a good job for him, throwing a bunch of touchdowns. And uh, he's a guy that uh, you know he's 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 tough to defend and and uh, one of the premier quarterbacks in the country. You know he's going to be a, a very high draft choice. Did I answer? Was there more to that question that I missed? Was that it? No. Can you oh. talk about your guy too? I mean, both. Oh, guys I'm sorry. Thought, okay, both guys. Yeah. Obviously, our guy. They're both. Okay. Yeah, they're both motivated to get this done. You know, going on the on the way out with a with a championship. 
uh, how much was, you know, Huntley coming back and, and leading this team uh, with obviously great defense? How much a part of that is uh, to have this historic season in Utah? Well, that was a that was something that motivated a lot of our uh, juniors uh, to be you know, that we're, we're going to be seniors this year uh, to come back, and we had four or five guys that that were on that uh, borderline of do I come out, do I stay, and I think that uh, you know having the opportunity to come back and try to win a Pac-12 championship was was one of the uh, driving forces for for those guys. I'm not sure it was you know the top factor, but but uh, having Tyler as uh, as our quarterback and and the type of year that he He's had. He's he's just been tremendous for us. Uh, we wouldn't be here without him. I can say that with absolute confidence. And uh, he's the he's a leader of the leaders. You know, he, every team has that one guy that that uh, everyone looks to, and and Tyler is that guy for us. Our next question. Once again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Again, that's star 1 for any questions. The next response is from Jake Curtis with Cal Maven. Please go ahead. Yeah, Kyle, have you given any thought to what will you need to do to get into the college football playoff, and what do you think the way you look in, that, in uh, Friday's game will have an effect, whether you have a lopsided win or, or whatever? Well, uh, we believe in controlling the controllables, and we can't control what happens uh, in that regard. But uh, what we would need to do is, is win Friday night. I mean, that's a that's an absolute. I mean, there's no, obviously, no debate about that. Um, and you know, I don't know, the, you know, the style points and things that people talk about. We're just focused on trying to get the win. And if we're if we're fortunate and able to come away, then you know, we feel like we're a complete football team and and uh, can you know line up and play with with anybody. But uh, you know that with do we get that chance or not? We'll see. But again, it's it's all contingent upon uh, trying to uh, get a win over the Ducks, which is you know that's that's our our entire focus and what we're uh, looking towards. Take the next question. The next question is from Dennis Dodd with CBS Sports. Please go ahead. Hi, hi, Kyle. I just got the phone with Dennis Erickson, and he. He was uh, talking about how the, the offense has come to match the defense and physicality. It seems like it's been that way a while for you guys. Is, is that the case, or has it just gotten more physical lately? What? Are you talking just this season or No, no, it just evolved over time. Yeah, I think we're, we've got a, a an offense right now that has been very productive this year. We're doing a lot of good things. We're controlling the football. We're amongst the nation's leaders in time of possession. Our defense has played the least amount of snaps per game of anyone in the country, and that's you know that's a product of our offense moving the football and, and not turning it over and and uh, making first downs, and also our defense being very good on third down. This is one of our best third down defenses we've ever had, and, and consequently, you know when you look at the snaps, we've only played six hundred and something defensive snaps. Which, which, uh, like I said, is yeah, it's the least in the country per game. I think Navy has played less snaps, but they've had one less game. And so you look at the big picture of that. I mean, that's that's two, you know, two two and a half games of wear and tear that are not on those defenders. I mean, they're they've played yeah. you know the equivalent of a nine and a half or ten game season. So so that helps. I mean, that's that's a positive, and that's uh, that's kept our defense fresh. You know, the way our offense has controlled the ball all season long has really kept our our defense fresh because we're playing you know less than sixty snaps a game, and in the college game, that's almost unheard of. I mean, in, in the NFL, yeah. that's you know that's you know those numbers are not. Uh, 
a big deal because they play less snaps overall. But in college, that's that's a big deal. And, and also, there there have only been 10, ten teams that have even played in the playoffs. If you guys are, are right there, do you think you know you'll get proper consideration? Not being quote unquote a name brand. Well, we'll see. Again, that's you know, that's completely out of my hands, our hands. Yeah. As far as uh, you know, that conversation, what's in our hands is trying to win the game on Friday, and that's that's the exact conversation we had last night in our team meeting. That hey, you don't spend one minute of energy worrying about what's going to happen after this game because because right. we got to win. Period. And so we we're not going to let that. Uh, detract from our preparation okay thank you good luck okay the next question is from james crepia with the oregonian please go ahead kyle to your defense uh, obviously it's been a hallmark of your tenure but how were you able to lose four leading tacklers from a year ago and still not only perform well but be leading the conference in so many statistics yeah, that was, uh, you know, we didn't have a big senior class last year, but there were some really good players in that class. And you're right, we lost uh, both safeties and both uh, inside backers, you know, the core of the defense that were right up the middle there. And so uh, the best answer I can give you is the guys that stepped in and, and replaced those guys have played exceptional football. We've got uh, Francis Bernard and Devin Lloyd who stepped in a linebacker and who were uh, just being extremely productive. And then we got Julian Blackman, who we moved from corner to safety, and Terrell Burgess, who's a first-year starter for us on defense been a great uh, member of our squad for a lot of years and, and played a lot of special teams and some situational defense but he's got his opportunity now and all four of those guys that stepped in the shoes of the guys that departed have had terrific years and really all conference years you mentioned the challenge that Panay Sewell presents uh, you obviously have a terrific defensive end and, and Bradley in particular what do you think of him heading into that matchup with Panay, and what has allowed Bradley to be that top of performer for you when clearly every team is going to game plan to try and limit him? Yeah, well, first of all, Bradley's a terrific player, a great pass rusher, just tied the all-time sack record uh, at the University of Utah last game. So he right now is tied with Hunter Dimmick uh, for that that deal. It should be a great matchup uh, with Sewell. He's a, he's a terrific player, and it won't just be Bradley. It'll be uh, Mika Tafu, our other defensive end, and, and Max Tapai, the guy that plays a lot as well. And so all three of those guys will have their opportunity to uh, to go uh, against Panay. And, and uh, you know, we we think, at least I think, that probably is the key matchup of the game is, is uh, not just those two guys, but the offensive line of Oregon against the defensive line of Utah is, is probably going to be one of the more pivotal matchups in this game, if not the most pivotal. Lastly, Kyle, last thing I have for you, I realize this came out literally during the course of this call, but this is rather big news in the Pac-12 that Chris Peterson just announced he's stepping down at Washington. I realize this is probably catching you off guard, but just your initial thoughts as this is catching a lot of people off guard that Chris Peterson is leaving Washington as the head coach. Wow. <laughs> All I got for that is a wow. I, did, I, I would never have thought that. Um, is he stepping down to go somewhere else, or is he just stepping down? I mean, what's the? is there any more to the, it? Uh, the announcement is that he would be uh, taking an administrative role and that Jimmy Lake will take over as the new head coach of Washington. Okay, well, Chris Peterson is one of the one of the uh, finest coaches in the country, and you know there's just a handful. Of, you got a handful of guys as a coach uh, that you really respect and, and admire, and, and Chris Peterson is one of my guys that I, I have that that uh, opinion of, and and uh, he's done so well for so many years, and is he's a he's an absolute professional, and uh, I wish him well. Uh, you know, having 
you know, been been in this thing, and as long as I have, I can, I can understand and and empathize with them because you get to a point where, uh, you know, enough's enough. But uh, that does that's that's a big surprise for me because because uh, you know I'm old guy. He's not so old, but I'm really old. So anyway, congratulations, you know, congratulations to Chris on a great career, and I wish him well. Thank you. The next question is from Billy Witz with New York Times. Please go ahead. Yeah, Kyle, when when you became a head coach at Utah and since then, I mean, your your team's identity seems to have, you know, been, you know, to be physical and uh, you know, really good on both sides of the line of scrim uh, on the on the lines. And I'm I'm wondering what may, you know, I guess maybe sort of if you can describe your foundation uh, you know, for that belief and also why you thought it would translate well when uh, when Utah moved to the Pac-12, uh, knowing that you know that's for years been a, been known as kind of a you know a skill, uh, maybe a perimeter league. Yeah, well, it's, it's my belief that uh, the game of football starts at the line of scrimmage, and that's that's where things that's the that's the starting point. If you can control the line of scrimmage. Uh, then you're you've got a great chance to be successful. Uh, that's been a point of emphasis of ours for years. Uh, our number one objective offensively is to be able to run the football with a with a physicality and a and a violence that uh, takes its toll on the opponents. And defensively, you know, we want to make sure we stop the run. And we're we're doing an exceptional job of that uh, on both sides of the ball. And I, I believe that you're always going to be competitive and you'll be in every game if you can win the line of scrimmage. And and uh, that's just you know right, wrong, or indifferent. That's the way we approach it. And when we got into the league, we felt like we matched up pretty darn good at the line of scrimmage you know, right off the bat. But, uh, you know, you need to be a complete team. You know, you can't just be strong at the line of scrimmage. And so it took us a few years to fill in the gaps around the perimeter. And we feel like we've made a lot of progress there. I don't think any coach will ever tell you they're a, they're a uh, you know, a done deal and, a, and, you know, right where they want to be. There's always work to be done. But but uh, we've made up a lot of ground, and I think uh, we're in a pretty good spot now. But, again, uh, you know, we're, we're in this game Friday night, in my opinion, because of the way we play at the line of scrimmage. Okay. Thank you. The next question is from Eric Scopel with Duck Territory 24-7. Please go ahead. Coach, you've talked about how pivotal the line play will be, and I, and I think that's pretty clear to most people who follow these two programs. You talked a lot about what made your defensive line so good. What, what makes Oregon's offensive line so good, and kind of why are they able to be this good up front? Well, it's kind of the same answer I'd give you if you ask about any position. It's, it's recruiting and talent. I mean, they've done a great job recruiting those guys and and uh, developing that talent. And and uh, it's a senior-laden line. I think all four, other than Panay, the other four guys are seniors. And so have been playing together for a while. And uh, but, but college football boils down to recruiting. That's the number one factor and the number one determiner of your success or lack thereof is how you recruit. And uh, they've obviously done a very nice job of recruiting that uh, offensive front, the whole team for that matter, but but uh, particularly on the offensive front. Thanks, Coach. Yep. The next question is from Kyle Kinsing with Athlon Sports. Yeah, Coach, with, uh, you mentioned the ball control on offense. And with Kyler this season completing close to 76% of his passes, you know, eight to one touchdown interception ratio. 
How vital has he been just to the overall success of the team? And where have you seen kind of his maturation over the course of his career? Well, he's been absolutely vital to the to the football team and to our success. And and uh, he is playing the best football of his career right now. Him and uh, Coach Ludwig, our, our office coordinator that we brought in in January, have been a, a great match. They're uh, you know Tyler has just been like a sponge and absorbing everything that Andy has been uh, preaching and teaching for the last uh, ten months. And it's just been uh, a great, a great combination. And Andy, you know, when he had a chance to to really study film and di- do a deep dive into the team when he first got here, he, you know, he expressed to me that Tyler was probably the the most skilled quarterback that he's ever had a chance to work with, just athletically and, and all the way around. And that's a guy like Andy Lubbock and the guys he's coached and where he's been. That's a pretty big statement. And and uh, I think he's done a great job of putting Tyler in uh, in a scheme and developing a scheme that, that suits Tyler's skill set perfectly and Tyler has excelled uh, obviously uh, you know we're not throwing for three or four hundred yards a game that's not our MO right now you know you got to play to your strengths and we got one of the best tailbacks in the country right now in Zach Moss so I think that uh, you know just you know Tyler has been uh, just uh, you know the, the, maybe the the most you know his development has probably been the most important factor in us getting to where we're at and uh, you know, I can't say enough about him as a person as well. He's a great leader, and just really, it's really uh, gratifying to see the success he's had this year and and the way he's finished off his uh, his career here at Utah. And uh, you know, with the playoff talk you mentioned, uh, not really focusing on things that are out of con- your control until after uh, after Friday. But so here's another one. Uh, what about Tyler's case for the Heisman Trophy? Do you feel like he's he's uh, should be in the mix for that award? I believe he should be in the conversation. Absolutely, just look at the numbers. I mean, look at the numbers and compare them side by side. And and like I said, the thing that's hurting Tyler. Well, I didn't say it, but what, what's uh, inferred is is he doesn't throw for a ton of yards. But his efficiency is incredible. He's in the top five of the ESPN QBR, which really is your, in my opinion, the best barometer of how much your quarterback means to your team. He's leading the Pac-12 by a considerable margin in uh, just the pure pass efficiency. And uh, you know, just he's he's been. Uh, you know, from day one of this season through through game you know 13 coming up, he's been outstanding. There's Kyle Whittingham. When we come back, PK and I with Tyson Algery covers the Oregon Ducks for the Athletic. His thoughts on the Pac-12 title game coming up. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK joined now by Tyson Alger. He covers the Oregon Ducks for the Athletic. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get a Samsung S10 for $0 when you activate a new line of service with a flex lease now through December 26th. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Tyson, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. So I'm, I'm curious about uh, how good Oregon was looking and how spectacular they looked while blowing out USC and how they haven't looked that good since. And certainly the last two weeks, especially the lost Arizona State and then 
really just kind of muddled through the end of that Oregon State game. Uh, what's gone on? What's changed? What's happened? Yeah, it's it's been pretty um, pretty interesting to see because after after that USC game, you know, I I don't think. Oregon ever quite looked like a playoff team, but after that USC game, I, I felt like they warranted to at least be in, in the discussion um, because, I mean, that was a pretty complete offensive and defensive game from them, and, and since then, they've just kind of sputtered. I mean, the, the Arizona State game was pretty shocking because it was one of the few few bad games the defense has played all year, but then, you know, the last two weeks, it's, the offense has been very inconsistent. You know, they're, they're not getting much out of the passing game right now. I think it's a combination of the fact that Justin Herbert's been off for two weeks, but also, you know, they've, they're down, you know, two or three receivers for the season. And I think it's kind of finally catching up with them. And, uh, yeah, they, they, uh, they, they, they just don't look great right now. And, and I, I know that, uh, their, their ceiling can still be pretty high, but with the way they're playing football right now, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about how, how they're going to stack up on Friday against Utah. So the Devils hit a few deep balls, obviously, and I think that was the difference offensively, particularly that last one after they had gotten back in the game and it looked like they had all the momentum, and then they gave up, I think it was an 81-yard touchdown pass on a third and 15 or 16 of all things. Is that something that you think that the Utes can exploit, or is it more of just uh, Oregon just being out of position for a game and it's not really that big of an issue? You know, I think, thinking about it, I think Oregon's only gotten beat on like two or three passes like that all season. So I, I think that was a bit more of a fluke. And uh, I mean, talk about bad timing. That it was third and fifteen. They they finished that playoff. They they probably end up uh, uh, winning that game. But uh, or, Oregon secondary has been excellent this year, and, and they've been pretty ball hawkish. I, I I don't know if it's still still the case after this past week, but they've been leading the nation in. Uh, 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 interceptions for the vast majority of the season. Um, they, they, they're pretty disciplined, and they have some athletes back there. But yeah, I mean, every once in a while they can be susceptible to allowing a big play like that. But you know, they have they have a pretty experienced corner corner tandem, and Thomas Graham and Diamador Lenore, and, and the guys like Javon Holland and Verone McKinley, kind of back in the, like the nickel and, and safety area. Those those are two very good young players they have. So that, that's definitely one of Oregon's strengths. But as, as we saw against ASU, it, it can be exploited every once in a while. So is there an underrated strength to Oregon that we don't know about, something you fans should worry about that isn't on the radar? Or are, we, are they pretty much we know who they are? Um, I, I, I think their biggest strength is on that defense. There isn't necessarily like one one main player that needs to be shut down. I mean, it, it, it's, it's Oregon's best defense that they've had in, in you know, decades. Um, but, you know, it's not like, you know, uh, like five, six years ago they had – DeForest Buckner on the defensive line, and he was the defensive player of the year. They don't, they don't have a guy just like that, like one guy to shut down. I mean, Troy Dye is kind of probably the most notable name on that defense, and he's been around for four years. But I, you know, there's there's just a lot of really good players on this defense, and and they kind of come at you at waves because you know you have you have some talented freshmen playing out there like Kayvon Thibodeau or Mace Funa, and then the 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 outside linebacker position is very athletic and then you have that secondary. So they're, they're, they're very consistent on that defense and there's not just one, one guy that needs to be shut down. So you look at this game and it's going to say, speak of battle in the trenches. Oregon has the very notable offensive line and with 
over 100 career starts with these guys. And obviously Utah's three seniors that they put on the defensive line and a couple other guys who are waiting in the wings to be stars, and they're already pretty good. So I'm wondering how much success do you think Oren is going to be able to have in terms of two things, providing Herbert the protection that he needs and then getting Verdell to be able to move the ball on the ground? You know, I, I think they'll be better in the first first case than the second case. Oregon's been a pretty decent in pass protection this year. And, and you know, I, the, so this offensive line is good, and there are a lot of really good players on it. But I think I don't think they've played to kind of like the sum of their parts at times this season. You know, it's it's been kind of inconsistent, but they have been pretty good in pass protection. I, I don't expect Oregon to be able to get much on the ground against Utah at all in this game. You know, Utah's giving up, I think, 56 yards per game on the ground, and Oregon's running game has been vastly inconsistent this year. And, and a player like Verdell, um, you know, he runs hard, but he gets banged up pretty easily, and, and I just think that he might get lost amongst some of that uh, Utah front seven. I mean, that, that's such a good front seven, and, and um, you know, Oregon... I, I don't think their offensive line has done the job that it needs to do this season, at least um, when it comes to the running game this, this year. So I, I think that's a big advantage Utah has coming into this game. So if they uh, don't run the ball well and they're one-dimensional, this is you know Kyle Whittingham's dream recipe. He'll tell you about it every you know every week. Uh, if they have problems getting things going and need a momentum changer, Zorgan go to trick plays. They're likely to try to really mix it up here. Um, they they might you know they they've ran a like a flea flicker like once or twice this year where they have this play like towards the goal line where they they have kind of Jay Linderhead do like a fake screen and then they pop it back over to him on the outside and they've scored two or three touchdowns on that but I mean other than that Oregon's Oregon's been kind of a pretty vanilla offensive scheme this year um, and I, I think the the biggest thing that's hurt him hurt them is just like losing a, like a um, Losing Jake Breland midseason, he was their senior tight end who was probably on his way to having an All-American season. He was leading, I think he was one of the Pac-12's leading receivers, and, and he, he went down about halfway through, and then you couple Michael uh, Micah Pittman on top of that, and, and right now, like, Herbert just doesn't have a whole lot of guys to, to throw to, and, and that's why I'm so concerned about this game is because if Utah can make them one-dimensional where it's just Herbert throwing through the air, uh, you know, he just doesn't have a ton of guys that are able to, to – to make plays and get open without being schemed open, and that's just something that hasn't really been happening with the offense lately. It's kind of funny is that it's viewed for the Ducks as somewhat of a disappointing season, and yet they're, what, 11 points away from being undefeated, and the two losses were by one score, a touchdown, and a field goal, and you know neither of them were in Eugene. So we classify that as disappointing, which ought to tell you just how good the program is, if that's what your disappointment is at 10-2, and 8-1. and one. So with that in mind, you know, obviously they got knocked out and dropped many spots in the playoff. I'm wondering how much incentive that adds to now going out and winning Friday because then you've got the Rose Bowl, which, you know, if you're a longtime Pac-10, Pac-12 fan, which you know, obviously the folks in Oregon are, that's a pretty good consolation prize. Yeah, I, I think there was about a week week hangover of of getting knocked out from the playoffs. Like I, I, I think if anyone would have told Oregon fans before the season, like, hey, you go ten and two and you make it to the Pac-12 championship game and you have a shot at the Rose Bowl, they would all take it in a heartbeat. But I think everyone kind of started drinking drinking the Kool Aid here over the last month with all the news of the playoff and, and you know kind of getting the feathers fluffed and all that. Like I, I think Oregon fans really started to think that maybe maybe this was a playoff team, and so you know. 
Uh, obviously, the last two weeks have been disappointing, but when when you go back and look at it, Oregon hasn't won the Pac-12 title since 2014. They haven't reached the Rose Bowl since 2014. Like this would be a huge, a huge opportunity for them, especially considering the fact that just three or four years ago they were four and eight, and they had they've gone through two head coaches since then. Like this, this, this is a really good season for them. It's just within the the. The entirety of the season, this, these last two weeks have been a bit of a downer. But I, I think I think the, the players and the staff really kind of know what they have at stake coming up this week, and I, I think they'll be motivated and uh, will will certainly uh, come out and, and play a tough game because, uh, yeah, I mean going going to a Rose Bowl in your second year as a head coach uh, at Oregon that, that's a, that's a pretty good thing to have on your resume if you're Mario Cristobal, especially when you look around the conference and you see like you know the news at Washington last week and um, you know just. Some of that stuff, I, I think Oregon can really establish itself as like the best best program in the North here going forward. So, is the fan base that motivated? They're going to be uh, twenty thousand uh, Duck fans there, or is that too big a number? Ah, uh, boy, that I I know they'll travel for the Rose Bowl. I don't know how much they're going to be traveling for this game. I mean, Oregon's played. You know, they played at Levi Stadium last year for the Red Box Bowl, and nobody traveled for that. Obviously, this is a much bigger game than that, but. Um, yeah, I Oregon fans generally do travel pretty well. I, I don't think that this is going to be a, a max occupancy uh, situation with Oregon fans because I, I, I think uh, people were starting to look ahead and, and maybe think that, uh, well, A, I, I think they thought that this was going to be a winner-take-all game and whoever wins goes to the playoff, and I think there's a little bit of disappointment in, in that side from the Oregon fan base. But, I mean, there'll, there'll be some green and yellow in the stands. Good old green and yellow. You can't miss them. Will the boss be there? Is Phil going? Oh yeah, he'll he'll, he'll definitely be there. He, he's actually he's been I think at every game this year. He's he's pretty uh, he, he's pretty hard to miss. Although instead of green or yellow, he's usually kind of been in an all black uh, kind of jumpsuit. So yeah, he's got the Al Davis <laughs> thing going on. Yeah, that's what I understand. Yep. Um, we've here we're hearing that Cristobal is really knocking it out of the park when it comes to recruiting. And last year, you know, they got that stud defensive lineman and all that stuff, and they just got uh, Sewell's younger brother here in Utah, who's supposed to be all that, committing. So how is the recruiting going this year, and what's making the difference that is allowing him to do so well there? You know, their their, their biggest thing, I think, has been a little bit of a uh, um, – Uneasiness of the football in Southern California. I know, obviously, they just pulled Sewell out of out of the Utah area, but you know they have his brother. But I mean, they've they've been going into like USC and UCLA's backyard and just kicking their butts down there. I mean, you can look at last year's recruiting class, and I think it was like six of the top twenty players from California ended up in, in Eugene, and, and they've continued to kind of mine that area in this year. You know, it, it's not maybe maybe not quite as flashy as the class of last year, but with Sewell committing, I think they're back in the top ten, which. Um, I don't think Oregon had ever been in the top ten before before Chris Paul, so they're they're potentially looking at back to back years in the top ten, and and it's just a little bit change of, a different change of strategy. When it was like Chip Kelly or Mark Helfrich leading uh, the program, they were a lot more selective, and they were kind of looking more for like, hey, you know, we think we could maybe get this guy. Let's let's hold off on offering him until late. And, and this this current staff, I mean, they they offer a lot of kids, and, and they they. And, you know, pretty much every waking moment they have outside of scheming for their their current week stuff, they're working the phones, they're working on strategies and stuff. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of a, a full time commitment they've had to it, and uh, they're they're definitely doing really 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 well on on that half of uh, half half of the sport. It's just uh, 
getting getting the full production out of those players once they're on the team that they're, they're still working on right now. Tyson Alger, Oregon Ducks writer for the Athletic, joining us here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty, the Zone. So, what is your? Uh, I guess personally, what do you think the Final Four should look? The four playoff teams should look like, and then what do you kind of predict the committee is going to do? How is this all going to play out? Because as you can imagine, Utah fans are uh, are all in on this discussion. Yeah, you know, I think Utah should be in. Uh, like I, I, I know the the politics of it, and like you know, I, I know even even if Oregon was a top ten team coming into this game, they would still you know they would still need a little bit of because uh, what is a Georgia in front of them? Um, Alabama losing was obviously key, but uh, yeah, I I just think that Utah has played such good football for the past pretty much two months or so, and and they're not only have they been winning, but they've been winning convincingly. You know, that's the one thing Oregon wasn't doing at all, is Oregon was winning all these games, but they were winning them outside of USC by like a touchdown or a field goal. Um, I, I just think Utah's a complete team. They, they, they have a, the type of a roster that I think can stack up to, to some of these playoff teams. I don't know if they can go in and win a playoff game, but I know they will go in and they're not going to get embarrassed. I think their defense is way too good, and on offense they take care of the football. I, I, I think they deserve to be in, and if, if they win this game rather convincingly, I, I think it would be kind of hard to, to keep them out of there. I, I just think I think they're that good. Tyson, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There's Tyson Alger from The Athletic with PKNI. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way.